everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dark Rhino Security Confidential. Today we have Laura Titch joining us. Laura comes to us all the way from Kenya. She has uh, been gracious enough uh, to take time out of her day uh, and come on to this podcast. I think we're like six or 12 hours apart, something like that. It's, it's a very long distance. Um, but Laura has a great background and a lot of experience in cyber. Uh, she, Laura has been nominated as the Cybersecurity Woman of the Year. Uh, she is uh, one of the nominees. She ha is the founder of uh, She Who Hacks KE, right? And she's an ethical hacker. Uh, she has been driving uh, the subject of not just cybersecurity, but uh, computation and using uh, digital media in, in her native land and uh, bringing a lot of issues to light. She's a wonderful person. We're honored to have you. Uh, Laura, thank you for joining the show. Thank you so much, Manoj, for um, inviting me to join the podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you could make it. So, uh, Laura, I know uh, you're uh, one of the nominees for Cybersecurity Woman of the Year, and, and uh, what an honor. But uh, what do you, can you share with us uh, what uh, led to that nomination a little bit? Yeah, um, so I think what led to the nomination is the work I've been doing in Kenya, and that is uh, we founded She Hacks Kenya alongside myself and Evelyn Kilel. Um, in 2016 and what we saw was there was a lack of uh, women representation in the information security industry in Kenya and so we created a platform for women to interact and to learn and to grow skills together and that I think that ha that is what has led us to this point because uh, we've managed to grow uh, tremendously in the past it's going to be five years in August so we've managed to have um, oh, close to 400 women in Kenya joining the information security industry. And so I think that's very impressive, for, not that's just for she hacks, but also for the women. Yeah, yes. And yes, for me to be nominated, I think um, we've been recognized for the work we have done in Kenya. And currently we also have a chapter, a sister chapter in Zimbabwe called She Hacks Zimbabwe. So I think we're, growing, we're going global <laughs> in a way. That's uh, that is fantastic, uh, you know. I, yeah. I, and I guess it lives up to the model that's behind you. Don't be average. Be awesome. That is. Uh, yeah. You're, you're enabling uh, women in Kenya, Zimbabwe, and and as you grow to other African nations to really participate in the this information security world. So why information yeah. security? What what uh, drove you into that? subject yes initially um i think when i was younger i would watch movies and any movie that had technology in it especially hackers really really thrilled me so when i when i joined college i decided to pursue a bachelor's degree in applied computer science okay. and that was like uh yes that was the beginning of my interest in in cyber security and when I didn't know where to start though, when it comes to information security. So we had a boot camp at school and that's when I got to learn the basics of Kali Linux. And 
uh, that just inspired me to go with it. So initially it was the thrill of it, but eventually I think as time went by, I started seeing the impact that my work does to the society because I've worked in uh, the digital security space that is providing skills and, um, and solutions for at-risk people all across Africa, um, mostly journalists and civil societies. So I think the impact that we make, me personally in information security, um, the impact I make in, in our society today is what uh, motivates me to keep going. Uh, the other thing is um, we are embracing new technologies and with this new technologies come new threats which require new solutions. So just the, the, the fact that I would sit down every day and try and come up with solutions for problems that is facing uh, the people around me or technology users, that really um, inspires me and motivates me to keep doing what I'm doing. You know, th that is, uh, that's fantastic. You know, when we, when we think of Kenya, a lot of people are not going to think about high technology. They're not going to think about uh, a group of people uh, that uh, is making a big difference in digital space, unfortunately. But you're changing yeah. that, and I'm glad you're you're here to tell us a little bit about it. But um, what is do you see it as a nation state? What is Kenya doing to incubate high tech, or to foster an environment where women can succeed and others even uh, in high tech can can succeed? Uh, well, yeah, Manoj, you've just said it. Like when people think about Kenya, they don't think high, high-end technologies or cutting-edge uh, technologies. And for sure, we don't have autonomous cars or, uh, or even rockets that can ferry uh, our billionaires in the country to space. But um, soon. I think we come up with, <laughs> yeah, soon. <laughs> So I think um, in 2000, early 2000, there was uh, the advent of M-Pesa technology, which is our mobile banking platform. And that opened the way for more technologies to be embraced in, in Kenya today. So I read um, a, a, a report that stated that uh, technology in Kenya has been growing by 23% annually since wow. the beginning of the, of the millennium. And you can actually see that because uh, Nairobi has been termed the uh, Silicon Savannah, and that is because a lot of startups are finding their way in to Nairobi. And these startups, they, they try and come up with solutions that, to problems that we specifically in Kenya and countries like ours face. Uh, one case in point, one example I would give is um, there's a startup called Brick that is okay. providing solar powered routers and that's important because we don't have electricity everywhere in the country there are some areas in the rural um in rural parts of the country that have no access to power supply and so when you give them uh, solar powered routers it gives them an opportunity to access the internet just as the rest of us so i think with time we are going to get to a point where we have uh, many more technologies that are solving problems that are uh, specific to Kenya or or problems that a lot of a lot of Kenyans face, especially in marginalized communities. Yeah, that's fantastic. I had not heard of solar powered yeah. routers, but it makes complete sense. Yeah. It, and uh, yeah. And I would imagine that in those uh, disadvantaged communities, 
it would it could potentially be life changing because it exposes them to the whole world, essentially. Yes. Yeah. So uh, you know, in terms of exposure, when your organization she hacks ke, um, have you been developing your own resources? Are, are you offering boot camps? Are you offering uh, programs or formalized training by which uh, women can? enter the information security world? Well, yes, we are. Um, that's our, the main aspect of SheHack Kenya. We provide um, training, we pro provide resources to women or, or members of the community, but especially women, because we've been uh, marginalized for the longest time. And um, initially, before COVID, we used to try and hold monthly boot camps, physical boot camps. Um, but uh, since the pandemic began and people started working remotely, then we have moved to virtual platforms, which makes it easier because of the logistics. We don't have to look for a space or food for people. So now we hold our boot camps twice a week, one for college students and another one for the general public. So yes, we have, we have provided um, training and resources to women and other community members for free. We don't charge for any of our trainings or any of our resources. Fantastic. And and are you able to yeah. offer certifications as well as part of SheHacks Game? Um, not our own, but what we do is we partner with organizations such as Microsoft, okay. and uh, they give us um, discounts or they even give us free certifications for some of our women. So with that, we are able to provide um, certifications for the women. There's also where I am right now, it's called ICRAL Innovation Hub, which is the first cybersecurity innovation hub in, in the country, in East Africa, actually. And what they do is they have um, a program called the National Cybersecurity Training Program, NCSTP, and they invite okay. people who want to learn cybersecurity. So they do six months of thorough training and at the end, they try and get people into the job market as well. One um, question that I had that came to mind was in Kenya, what uh, on the cyber security threat side, what kind of threats are you seeing? What, what are you seeing businesses face there from a security risk, cyber security risk yeah. perspective? Um, so the one thing that is common in Kenya and I think across the globe is um, layer eight errors and that's uh, where social engineering comes in. I think uh, also because 80% of the adult population use M-Pesa, which is the mobile money platforms, we, we get a lot of vishing and smishing attacks. So a lot of uh, people trying to get uh, unsuspecting users to send them money. And so that's one of the most common uh, cyber threats that we have today. And um, also uh, when it comes to social engineering, uh, this is also a threat, a big threat in Africa, because I am very sure that people have heard of the Sakawa boys, the Yahoo boys from West Africa, mostly in Nigeria and yeah. Ghana, um, or the Nigerian Prince Kam. So that is very, very common. It's common all across Africa. But the other thing that I think um, came about as a result of moving to virtual platforms or moving to working remotely um, due to COVID is um, uh, compromised, uh, it, 
people moving towards cloud technology, um, there's a lot of threats when it comes to misconfiguration of these platforms. So you will yeah. get that um, a lot of data breaches happen and other threats like that. So when people are moving towards uh, virtual platform, uh, people uh, or organizations tend to overlook uh, configure, proper configurations and they end up putting their uh, sensitive data stored in their cloud platforms at risk. So that's one of the other um, threats that we face. Other threats also include, um, uh, this is similar to mobile money, but uh, banking as well, especially banks that still use legacy systems. Uh, it leaves them open to attacks and that leaves um, accounts at, at um, personal like people's accounts and their employees as well at risk. So there's a lot of threats that come with old technologies and new technologies as well. Yeah, and you know, uh, hearing you uh, describe it, it seems like vulnerability management is just a, as much an issue in Kenya as it is here in the United yeah. States. Uh, a, lo a, a lot yes. of what you've said applies here as well. So it's, um, you know, it, it's a common problem. Do you think there is growing awareness on the part of businesses and executives in, in Kenya to address these problems head head on or is I that still a challenge? Is, uh, um, I think there is a growing awareness, but there's still the challenge of uh, the lack of resources, uh, lack of budget to cater for cybersecurity needs, especially for small and medium enterprises. But um, uh, there's, still a, there's still a ways to go, uh, especially for these big organizations that have only started to embrace the need for cybersecurity experts within um, their organizations. Um, the one company that has been able to achieve a little bit of um, cybersecurity within the workplace is Safaricom, and they started a bug bounty program that supports local talent in terms of su uh, oh. supporting ethical hackers in Kenya, um, try and get bugs in Safaricom systems, and then they get, of course, paid for it. But um, there's still a ways to go because a lot of organizations, as much as there's there's awareness, there's a lack of proper budgeting uh, to cater for cybersecurity within the organizations. Yeah. Now, uh, do you, uh, Laura, face a personal risk because you are promoting women and their movement and their, you know, career success in, in Kenya. Uh, you know, I, and I only say that because we get a lot of news over here and a lot of it is not positive, but that's the case all over the world. Uh, but at a personal level, do, do you face any security challenges because of she hacks, Katie? Not at all. I do not face any, not yet. <laughs> uh, but yeah, as um, today, I do not face any challenges because of the work I do with SheHacks. Uh, but the one thing that I, I'd say um, is true is that I face the same challenges or the same risks that other technology users face. Um, I still okay. can be um, a target of malware. I still have to take care of my passwords just as everybody else. I, I can still be um, a victim of phishing scams. So those are the personal threats that I face. 
but nothing specific or nothing that is um, inspired or motivated by my work at She Hats. See, that is so uh, good to hear because I know a lot of our listeners, uh, the news that we get here in the United States is often uh, skewed uh, and I'm and I'm sure uh, very negative in, in many ways. And, and it's good to have somebody come on and dispel some of these myths, if you will. That, yes, that I think the, the people, yeah, the people who are at risk are the people I work with and um, that the, or the people I have worked with in the past. Um, the, uh, the ones I told you, like the journalists and the civil societies I've worked with, the human rights organizations, they can be targets of attack. Uh, but for me, um, I haven't faced any threats because of my work as an, an ethical hacker or, or the work I do with She Hats. Fantastic. By the way, uh, I'm curious, in terms of uh, statistics or numbers, do you have any uh, thing that you can share with our audience on the number of women you've helped get into She Hacks, KE has helped get into cybersecurity? How many people have gone through the programs that, that you folks are doing? Yeah, so currently we have close to 400 members. Um, and these are mostly women, but we also have men in the, in the team. And the reason for this is because cybersecurity is a very young field. And you get that um, only a few institutions in the country offer cybersecurity in, in schools, in, in classes, in, in colleges. And so we are trying to get women into the space, but we're also trying to get students. So our goal is to build a younger generation of um, women in cybersecurity, but also a skilled generation of cybersecurity practitioners, regardless of gender. But of course, we do have a bias for women, and uh, currently we are close to 400 members. That, that, that's fantastic. That's and yeah. growing, and, and you've grown to uh, other yeah. nations. So that, yeah. that, that's absolutely fantastic. Let's talk a little bit about ransomware changing topics. I'm sure mm -hmm. uh, you, 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 <laughs> you illuminated us a little bit about the vulnerabilities that are present uh, and things that you face. But from a ransomware perspective, uh, do you see uh, any potential changes uh, in the way Kenyan society is addressing that, or is it not as big a deal with uh, Kenyan companies right now from a ransomware perspective? Well, the, the problem we have is um, organizations fear, or they, there's this culture of, um, of you see a, a cyber attack as something that shouldn't happen to you. So there's taboo when it comes to talking about the threats that these organizations face. But I remember a few years ago when WannaCry was big and it was global, we had a number of organizations yeah. that were victims of the ransomware, but they were trying to keep it, um, uh, to, to sweep it under the rug. So they didn't want people to know that they have been targets of uh, such uh, attack. And so you get that this is also true for current, or currently it's also true for organizations whereby they might be victims of ransomware attacks, but they will try and keep it um, under wraps and try and keep that information from the public because they see it as 
um, if they divulge this information that they've been victims of ransomware, then they're going to lose customers, uh, they're going to lose business. And this is why we are trying to start conversations with organizations about the need for cybersecurity and the need to disclose. When something like that happens, talk to people like us, people in the industry, and we're going to try and look for solutions for you. But yes, as you mentioned, uh, there is going to be a lot of attacks, uh, ransomware attacks specifically on organizations, uh, mostly targeting small and medium enterprises as well in the country. And so we are on the lookout for that. We're trying to start conversation around that as well. Yeah, and you were saying they're the most vulnerable organizations, the, yes. the small and medium enterprises in, in Kenya. So, uh, and they're probably going to need the most help because uh, unlike big banks, they actually don't have the resources to address this issue. Exactly, yes. But from a from a disclosure perspective, uh, you mentioned there's a hesitancy. Is there uh, something uh, at the national level? Are there laws being implemented that require mandatory disclosures of certain data losses? Uh, not that I know of. Um, we have tried to have conversation with different stakeholders in terms of coming up with policies that protect data and protect businesses. Uh, but this is still a work in progress. Uh, we're, we're trying to get as many people as possible to start conversations around that so that we can reach the uh, relevant people, uh, the, the Ministry of ICT and other key players in, in the policy-making world. And we're trying to get them to uh, come up with solutions that can help these businesses, especially because there's a rising number of SMEs in the country. Laura, what do you think needs to be done from your perspective to provide better defense in depth to organizations then? What are some summary things that you can mention um, that you think need to happen in your nation? Yes, so I think the very first thing would be awareness, both on a nationwide uh, platform and also within organizations. Uh, because as I said, security most of the time is an afterthought for organizations. And so you end up having technologies, but then something happens, you have a data breach, you have an attack and you do not know how to handle it. So I think there has to be awareness in terms of training, in terms of uh, proper policies, written policies for organizations to, uh, to use whenever they are, let's say, um, a target of an attack, they will have a policy written down on what to do in such in, in case such thing happens happens and also there has to be um awareness in terms of as i said training where employees must attend mandatory um digital security classes now this will uh, eliminate problems such as um, attacks that comes with human error um, the information you share password management and all these other small basic cybersecurity things that can make a lot of difference if you do not follow them. Yeah, I, I think uh, there's a lot of uh, similarities to the US in that regard. And I'm really glad to mention employee training. I, I think a lot of times um, we've talked about this many a times on the show where employees are often uh, 
just given policy mandates, but they're not educated. So educating them, I think, can have yeah. uh, a major impact on them following policies. Yes, um, and, so, and uh, uh, Laura, also I to besides take, uh, policies, I think the, the one thing the that people should look at is having a budget for cybersecurity. A lot of the problems we face or organizations face come about as a result of, um, say, for example, using unlicensed softwares. Now, if uh, these softwares, you know that um, so most of the times they don't come with patches. And so you end up getting uh, bugs and giving it um, or letting this unlicensed software um, have a, create vulnerabilities within your organizations where attackers can use the softwares to, to breach your data and to do um, or to facilitate other types of attacks. Now, the one, as I mentioned, uh, besides awareness, there also has to be a budget for cybersecurity. And uh, we're not asking for people to, um, especially for small organizations that are struggling financially or they're trying to get on their feet. We're not asking them to like hire a pen tester, which can be expensive, but just um, analyze their infrastructure. They can do that for themselves, um, counting the number of IP addresses they have, uh, looking at their network, uh, looking at their communication as well. How do they communicate? Uh, what security platforms, what secure platforms do they use to communicate? So all these small um, things that can add a lot of, um, or can decide whether you are secure or not. So we are trying to get organizations to look at, at security as, um, as something that is mandatory, as something that is uh, important and not to, um, to set, to, to put that as an afterthought. So we are trying to get more conversation around this. Fantastic. Well, Laura, we are at the hour here. Uh, I yeah. wanted to uh, take the last couple minutes and give you an opportunity to talk about anything, any events uh, that you're doing, anything that you'd like to, uh, uh, any links you want to share, uh, anything that you want us to put in the show notes, whatever you'd like to promote. It's your platform. Please go ahead. Oh, thanks, Manoj. Uh, I think the one thing I would want people to know is we still need uh, more support in terms of training in She Hacks Kenya. So as I mentioned, we have our boot camps on a weekly basis, even twice a week. So if anyone wants to speak about anything, please do reach out to us on our Twitter, uh, shehacks underscore KE, which is She Hacks Kenya. And yeah, LinkedIn as well, she hacks Kenya, and just come and join us, join our training, and facilitate our training if you can. Fantastic, and we'll put all those links in the show notes, Laura. So thanks, Manoj. And we'll make yeah, and uh, and we'll make sure that uh, on our Twitter feed we put those links as well, so uh, it right. reaches a much broader audience. So, uh, Laura, again, thank you so much for taking time uh, in your day to do this uh, and uh, appreciate uh, all the knowledge you shared and for being patient with us in, in doing this uh, cross-continent collaboration, if you will. Thank you so much, Manoj. It's been fun.